0: Episode 19 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, this week, my usual co-host, Eva, is taking a break, so instead, I'm joined by Jeff and Sarah from the Trivial Trivia Podcast. Hi, guys. Hello.
1: Hi. Hi
0: glad you guys could show up tonight. Uh, hopefully we're gonna go through and, and we're gonna talk about one of our great films. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about a show before you before we really delve into this
1: I I'll, like, I'll let Jeff take that well <laughs> uh,
0: thanks though we're, uh, we're super excited to
2: uh, be on your show especially since you were on our show for uh, on our last episode we' thank you for that. Um, the trivia, trivia podcast is uh, pretty much a, a your basic quiz show. Sarah and I quiz each other. We have a general knowledge round first, and then we have a movie of the week that we quiz each other on. Uh, it's pretty basic. At the end of the show, we have a Wikipedia listener challenge where we um, kind of challenge our listeners into finding the links in between different uh, different topics on
0: Wikipedia, and that's always that's always a fun time. So that's us. Okay. For all my listeners who are listening to us here, uh, I would hope that you guys would go through and listen to Trivial Trivia Podcast. Check them out. See what you think of them. Uh, I got to say that they're a great podcast as well. Uh, So what we're going to do tonight, we are going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I bill this to everybody as the perfect date movie. It's got everything. It's got a little bit of everything for everybody. It's to, To quote Peter Falk from this movie, it's got fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. In short, it has something for everyone. Now, what movie am I referring to? It's my favorite movie, The Princess Bride. Uh, now, to kind of give you guys a little bit of background on this movie, uh, it was a 1987 remo- American romantic comedy adventure film directed and produced by Rob Reiner. Uh, It was based on the 1973 novel of the same name by William Goldman, uh, who is an American novelist, playwright, and screenwriter. Uh, The story is presented on the film as a book being read by a grandfather to a sick grandson and effectively preserving the novel's narrative style. Uh, I kind of have to disagree with how they rated this film in that they rated it number 50 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies, number 88 on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Passions list of the greatest film love stories, and 46 on Channel 4's 50 Greatest Comedy Films list. Uh, it really, I think that this is a perfect movie because it really has kind of developed into one of the greatest cult films since its release. What did? What were your guys' take on this film? I mean, I know you guys watched it again here. Uh, Sarah, you said off-air that this was your dad's favorite movie as well.
1: You don't know how many times I have heard inconceivable <laughs> in my life. Um No, this was, like I said, this is one of my dad's favorite movies. He's forever quoting, um, he's forever quoting the movie and we used to watch it. I remember watching it often when we were kids. I haven't actually watched it for a few years now until we watched it last night. Um, But God, it's hilarious. It's there's so many good points.
0: It's perhaps one of those films that I think is it's going to stand out. It really holds the test of time, even though the scenes in the beginning here of the film show, you know, 1980s culture on the shelves. And with with uh, Fred Savage playing video games the way that he is, I still even then think that this movie just transcends time for it.
2: I, I would agree with that. I think it's uh, not only that, it's a great kind of overall balanced film. It's uh, There's something for everyone. There's lots of humor and wit for adults and great lines and, you know, swashbuckling and action and people riding on horses for the kids. It's got, you know, comedy and it's got sword fighting and it's got true pirates. love and pirates and romance. And it's, I, you know, Peter Falk said it best. It's got a little bit of everything.
0: Well, speaking of that, let's kind of jump into the cast a little bit so we can kind of talk about who's in this film. I uh, Kind of give everybody a little bit of a rundown as to who's, who's who. Uh, we start off, the very first person that we have, Cary Elwes. Uh, he plays as Wesley, a farm boy, and Buttercup's love interest. Uh, he's actually done quite a few other roles since Princess Bride. Uh, one, of my, one of the first ones I, I remember seeing him in kind of caught me by surprise. He plays as... A redneck race driver in Days of Thunder. Uh, he plays Russ Wheeler.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: And when you see it, it's like I—I kind of saw him, and I was thinking, "What?" Because I had seen that. I had seen Days of Thunder. I originally saw it in the theater, and then I came back and I saw Robin Hood Men in Tights. So for me to see <laughs> this, and then I went back and watched Days of Thunder again, I'm like, "That's Robin Hood." What? It, it just completely threw me for a loop to see it. Uh, yeah, but he's also, he was also uh, Nick Elliott in Alicia Silverstone's movie, The Crush. Uh, as we mentioned, Robin Hood and Robin Hood men in tights. And he also played as Dr. Jonas Miller in Twister. Uh,
1: that was the one that I wrote down last night <laughs> as I was going through things. I was like, Oh wait, he was in Twister and he gets sucked up by the tornado. Yeah.
0: It, it's, and, and he was, he was kind of like a jerk in that film, but.
1: Oh, he was total douche. <laughs>
0: Uh, moving down the list on our cast here, the next person I have, Robin Wright. Uh, she actually they, – they quote her as saying that this was her first film debut when it really actually wasn't. I forget what her actual first film was, but somebody screwed up in, in the credits and put in that she was, the, uh, she, she was debuting in this film. Uh, this actually took place before she met Sean Penn, married him, later divorcing him in 2010. Uh, she plays as Buttercup, Princess of Florin, and Wesley's love interest. Uh, she has gone on to do a couple of other roles. Uh, she was Audrey Dunn in M. Night Shyamalan's movie Unbreakable. Uh, Claire Underwood in the Netflix original House of Cards, and then a- yeah, that's
2: what we've been watching. We've been watching House of Cards lately, and as, uh, honestly, until I saw pictures of Robin Wright like in Modern Times. Uh I did not recognize her at all as being the same actress. How is that show? Cuz I have
0: been wanting to sit down and watch it. I just haven't had the time yet.
1: <laughs> we haven't gotten too far into it, but what we've seen so far has been pretty interesting to watch.
0: Okay. Very
2: good. Kind of, uh stars uh Kevin Spacey as uh is it a congressman or a senator? Something like that as as a as a politician and they they have a really kind of weird relationship. He he's married to uh Robin Wright's character. In that show and they had it's a really kind of weird almost loveless
0: but still it's 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 strange it's a really strange kind of marriage. Well now I am going to bring up one other movie we kind of talked about it on your podcast when we mentioned when we were going over the boats and boating she also shows up with Tom Hanks uh, she she is Jenny Curran in Forrest Gump.
1: Oh she's the is she the older Jenny? Yeah.
0: Well, she's she's Jenny oh throughout. She's like the older Jenny throughout. And I didn't catch this. I was like – and when I went back and I saw Princess Bride and I'm looking, I'm like, wow. And then I happened to look at the notes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's her. I had to go back and check it again. I, I, I My wife was like, yeah, that's that's Robin Wright. I'm like, you sure? It just doesn't look like her at all.
3: Oh, wow.
0: I guess maybe just seeing her what? as like the strung out – you know, what I remember her is like the strung out drug scene where she's getting ready to jump off the balcony in print in Forest Gump. So.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I, re- I think I said something uh, before our, we recorded our podcast, um, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I was looking at her IMDB page and I was like, Oh, Robin, right. I don't think I've seen her in anything since then. <laughs> and then I look at this list and I'm like, Whoa, surprise! <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of things that she's been, and it was the same way with like, Actually, I was talking to my mom tonight and said the same thing about Carrie Aldis. You just don't realize that he's been in all of these different things that you've seen.
0: Oh yeah, he's he just
1: and it's unbelievable. It
0: catches you and you're you're like, wow, I didn't know. Uh, now... and so go, oh,
2: go ahead. Uh, Robin Wright. Robin Wright is a is a she's an American actress, and we kind of we kind of do this thing on our podcast where we make fun of people with with stupid character accents when they're not very good at it. <laughs>
1: Like we
2: made fun of uh uh oh not Kerry Alwis, but the other Robin Hood. Yeah, uh Kevin Costner. Oh. Like not even not even attempting a, a British accent in uh Robin Hood Prince of Thieves.
0: Oh one of my favorite but, things with that movie is when he sits there and he sees the guy who plays as little John come out and he goes, That's your father? Just completely no <laughs> accent whatsoever. <laughs> Well, and, and so
2: Robin Wright has, has this fantastic British accent. She's, she's not one of the ones that
0: we make fun of and, and the great Southern accent for Forrest Gump. That's true. That's true. Uh, now I do want to move on to the next guy here. For me, this guy is kind of important because I know him more for being a voice actor than for being on screen in, in front of the camera. Uh, Chris Sarandon, uh, he plays as Prince Humperdinck, heir to the throne of Florin who becomes engaged to Buttercup. Uh, he, like I said, he's done a lot of roles in front of the camera, uh, but he's he is actually probably best known for a lot of people as being the voice of Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Uh, he also has played opposite uh, Mandy Patinkin on the TV series Chicago Hope, and he played Judge Barry Crumble on the CV, uh, CBS TV series Judging Amy. So kind of just letting you guys know he does a lot of stuff you may not see his face all the time but he does have a lot of stuff that he does behind the camera and I really I really feel very strongly about having the voice actors get their recognition uh, because you don't always see them and people they're kind of unsung actors so to me that's a very important thing for people to know about absolutely Uh, now the next guy down the list we have Christopher Guest Uh, Christopher Guest is Count Tyrone Tyrone Rugen uh, who's the Vizier of Prince Humperdinck. Uh, he has six fingers on his right hand, and that is kind of one of these <laughs> ongoing things throughout this movie, which we'll get to when we get to the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he previously worked with Rob Reiner. Uh, Rob Reiner was doing This Is Spinal Tap, and he plays as Nigel Tufnell, and he did that <laughs> before he went on to do Princess Bride. And he, you know he's done quite a few other Spinal Tap docu- you know, mockumentary-type movies. Uh, he also is, uh, is, isn't it Chris Guess who's uh, responsible for the, it goes up to 11 line. Yes. In Spinal test. Yes. <laughs> We've got one more. It goes up to 11. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one louder than 10. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he also shows up, uh, he likes to do a lot of, of, uh, indie type films. He shows up in a mighty wind as Alan Barrows. And he also shows up as Harlan Pepper in best in show. So for those of you who might've seen of- that one
2: of my favorite films in that that kind of series where there it there's a a group of actors that's in that's in all these um movies is uh Waiting for Guffman and Chris Guest plays uh this like local community theater director who is like totally clueless but but he like
0: Wants things his way. If you haven't seen Waiting for Guffman, it's fantastic. No, I'm going to have to sit down and find it. I'm going to have to see if maybe it's on Netflix. Hopefully it is. I've heard good things about it. Again, time-wise, just trying to find time to do it.
1: That's the hardest part, is trying to find time to watch all of these fantastic right. movies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I try and plot it out so that I see stuff that you know I loved and kind of remembered. And fortunately, I don't have to spend too much time. But you know, I'm, I'm going to have to sit down and start watching more recent stuff. It's just... My Because of the work schedule that I currently work, trying to go to a theater with my wife or sit down and rent stuff, it's tough. But,
1: Doug, there's not much recent stuff that's worth the time to sit down and watch. <laughs>
0: that's why I'm doing a pop culture podcast for retro stuff. You're better off
1: with the 80s stuff. The 80s was like the best time period for everything other than clothing.
0: Very true. Very, very true. Parachute pants Music need to stay in dead. The 80s. <laughs>
1: If you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes of our podcast, the Trivial Trivia podcast, um, we had a music round, and any time that there was 80s music, Jeff failed miserably.
2: It was sad. (laughs) Because
1: that was all I grew up on, and I still, my boys listen to it, I listen to it all the time. (laughs) 80s films, some of the best. I loved when you did the whole um, John Hughes
0: well, I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I'm gonna have to do at some point in time in the future here. I'm gonna have to do Fast Times at Ridgemont High because that's another great '80s film. Yeah. Don't know when yet, yes. but I'm gonna have to sit down and do that because that that had some great music in it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and we'll move on through our cast. so We can knock this out here. Uh, Mandy Patinkin is the next one on my list. Uh, he plays as Inigo Montoya a Spaniard who has trained in fencing for 20 years to the point of fighting left-handed so as to prolong his duels. Uh, he basically seeks revenge on Count Rugen for the murder of his father. Uh, he has He's actually had quite a few other roles besides, uh, besides Princess Bride, although this, for me, is probably his most famous one. Uh, he's been Dr. Jeffrey Geiger on Chicago Hope, uh, Rube Sofer on the Showtime series Dead Like Me, Jason Gideon on Criminal Minds, and then he's actually yes. recently started showing up on Homeland, uh, where he plays Charles Burns. Yeah, he's Burns. been on
1: since the beginning.
0: Yeah, and I have not seen any episodes of that. I wish I had.
1: We watched most of the first season, and it's it's pretty good. <laughs> It's, we love Mandy Patinkin. It's we really good. We watched Dead it, Like yeah. Me. We were really disappointed when Dead Like Me ended. Yeah. Well, we started watching Criminal Minds because Mandy Patinkin was on Criminal Minds.
0: Now, did you see the horrible, like, finishing Dead Like Me that they did? The movie? Uh
2: no, actually, because no, I, I was—I I think I was watching on Netflix or something, and that one wasn't on at the time. It's
0: pretty sad because basically they don't have Rube at all in it. Oh. It's, oh,
1: then it's not worth watching. Yeah, it really
0: isn't because I was like, "This isn't the same." Because he was the one who was coming off and giving everybody the jobs, and mm-hmm. so for him not to be there, they they put some other guy in.
1: He's like, he's like their handler. Yeah,
0: you know, he just kind of gets replaced, and that's it. And it's like, wait, what just happened? Oh. So,
1: then never mind. I'm not going to watch. Yeah. it. Yeah,
0: it's. I'm trying to warn you off. So, <laughs> uh,
1: thank you for the warning.
0: Next guy I have down the list, everybody knows who this guy is. He was, he, when he was alive, was, I, I want to say he was the tallest person in the world at that time. Like when he was, when he hit his height, he actually made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, this is none other than Andre the Giant, uh, who plays as Fezzik, a giant and companion of Inigo. Uh, unfortunately, most of his acting career, if you want to call it that, really happened before The Princess Bride. Uh, he had some small roles opposite Lee, Mar- Lee Majors in The Six Million Dollar Man and Majors' other TV series, The Fall Guy, uh, where he plays as Bigfoot in the first one and then Killer Typhoon, a wrestler, in the second one, which, gee, not much of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was also primarily known for his wrestling career and then was later immortalized in street artist uh, Shepard Ferry's works. Uh, all those Obey signs that you see with Andro- Andre the Giant's face, uh, you might have seen them on – T-shirts or on stickers that they've been – I know they've been all over Southern California. The guy actually used to come through here, even Santee where I live, he'd put up these stickers all over the place and you could see him, So
1: They must not have made their way to Illinois yet.
0: Maybe not.
1: I don't think we've seen any of those yet. Well,
0: if, if you've ever seen uh, – there is a really good documentary film uh, called Exit Through the Gift Shop. Uh, and it was loosely done on a lot of street art type stuff. its I want to say it's on Netflix right now. Uh, but it has this guy named Banksy who does a lot of – he's an English uh, street artist. And these guys are doing basically what what would a lot of people would consider graffiti art because they're putting up their stuff and they're technically not supposed to put it up. Uh, but Andre the Giant was immortalized with this and the street artist actually got sued by his family. Uh, for putting up all these pictures of Andre the Giant's face saying obey. And, I mean, he made money off of it, but he got sued for it. Hmm. Uh, moving on down our list for cast, the next person that we have, Wallace Shawn. Uh, Wallace Shawn plays as Vizzini. He is the self-described criminal genius of Sicilian origin and the employer of Inigo and uh, He had He's actually had several roles for which he's known. Uh, I remember him from a TV movie that he did. One of the very first things I ever saw him in it was called how to be a perfect person in just three days. And his co-star was Alon Mitchell Smith from weird science. Uh, he's also appeared as Cirrus Rose in the TV series, gossip girl, uh, he did some voice acting where he was Stewie Griffin's nemesis sperm on, uh, Bertram on Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that as soon as you hear the voice, you know who it is. He's, oh, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's, he's really one of those guys that you don't, you don't know him by name, but you're like, oh, it's, it's that, that guy. guy. That He's yeah. got that distinctive list. Clueless. Very
0: much. Yes.
1: He was one of the teachers in Clueless. Uh, did some voice acting for The Incredibles. Yep. Toy Story, I think. The, the, that's,
0: his, yeah, toy, that's his big T-Rex thing. T-Rex on Toy Story. Yep. And that was the one thing I was going to say is that neurotic plastic dinosaur Rex. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how yep. we know him in our household. <laughs> uh, now, moving down the list, we have Billy Crystal. Uh, he plays as Miracle Max, who is the last miracle worker in Florin, uh, who was fired by Humperdinck many years ago. Uh, he saves Wesley's life to get revenge on the prince. Um, now as for Billy Crystal, really, I I don't even know where to start with his career list because it, it reads kind (laughs) of like a who's who, uh, he was, he's just
1: say everything he's been in pretty much everything.
0: He's had some good movies. He's had some bad movies. I'll I'll say that. Um, I remember seeing when I was a kid, my parents dragged me to go see, uh, throw mama from the train with him and Danny DeVito, which was, it was awful. Yeah. Um, but I remember that. Uh, He's hosted the Oscars numerous times. He's done HBO's Comic Relief. Uh, He was Mitch Robbins in City Slickers and City Slickers 2. Uh, Oh, oh, he's done voices for both Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University.
2: Mike Wazowski. Yes. Yeah, Mike Wazowski. (laughs) Uh, He was in City Slickers, right? Yep. And uh, he was Harry in When Harry Met Sally.
0: And, of course, we all know what that movie is from with the famous orgasm in the deli. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the one thing that that movie is remembered most for. And they actually have a sign in Katz's deli uh, that says it, it shows an arrow pointing down, if you go in there now, uh, to where uh, Meg Ryan was sitting when she did that whole faking an orgasm scene. So <laughs>
1: Nice. I like it.
0: Uh, now, speaking of Miracle Max, we do have the next person in line is Carol Kane.
1: They were hysterical in this movie. They
0: fed <laughs> off of each other so well. I mean...
1: Absolutely hysterical.
0: I said never mention that name again. Humpadink! Humpadink! <laughs> I know, I I read...
1: I like when he's calling her a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Not a witch.
2: Uh, I read somewhere that Rob Reiner couldn't um couldn't actually stay on set when Billy Crystal was uh was performing because he just would would laugh
0: and laugh and ruin the takes. Oh, well, uh Manny Patinkin said the same he said basically the same thing. He said the only injury that he got on the entire film when he was filming <laughs> was from a bruised rib from laughing so hard. Not from all the swordplay, just from laughing. Yes, all from watching <laughs> Billy Crystal. <laughs> Uh, now, Carol Kane, she actually has done quite a few other roles besides Princess Bride. Uh, she was Sim Doblitz on the TV series Taxi. Uh, she was Granny on Adam's Family Values. And then one of my. Ab- oh,
1: I forgot about that. Yes.
0: Now, one of my favorite roles that she ever did, it's in one of my favorite Christmas movies, which I'm going to have to try and squeeze in some point at the end of the year here. Uh, she was the ghost of Christmas present in Scrooge with Bill Murray
2: yes okay yeah i remember seeing that i
0: one of my favorite scenes is when she's going on and she has to transport him and every time she has to transport him from one scene to another she hits him with something and there's a scene where she takes this toaster and she swings up and smacks him full on in the face with it <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. so it's it's one of my favorite things for that uh the next two people I have here on my list—I I mean, I know I'm skipping other actors that were in the film, but to me, they're not really crucial actors, so I'm going to leave them out. Uh, but I do have Peter Falk, who's the grandfather, the narrator of the of the book. Uh, for him, for him, for me, the biggest role that I remember him in was Columbo. Although I know he's done others, but that's where I remember him mostly from because I remember seeing yeah. it, you know all the way from the very beginning here. So.
1: I think that's what everybody sees when they look at him.
0: Yeah, you always see him with this little... That's
1: what he's most known for.
0: He's hunched over, he's always got the cigar that he never seems to light, and he's always, oh, I forgot something, you know, I forgot, you were (laughs) doing this, you were here, oh, and he always seemed to get into these things, nobody ever pulled a gun on him or anything, he was just this detective that figured everything out, and they always captured the criminal and there was never this big thing, because he realized that they were caught.
1: All in forty-five minutes. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: I, I I remember reading something where Peter Falk talked to the director uh, Rob Reiner and said, uh, you know, after he was cast as the grandfather, he's like, I'm not, I'm not old enough, even though he was like sixty at the time. And Rob Reiner says, Yeah, you're no, you're fine, you're you're plenty old enough. He's like, No, 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 man, I, we should try it with, uh, you know, with some some prosthetic makeup. And Rob Reiner's like, well, okay. And they did, you know, they tried something. They did some screen tests. And, and Peter Falk was like, this is terrible. We should, you know what we should do? We should just do regular makeup. And Robert <laughs> Reiner's like, okay, that sounds great. Let's go with it.
0: <laughs> oh, why does that not surprise me? He's, he, 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 I, I mean, I would say even to the day he died, he probably still did not feel his age. <laughs> I think. They, they, I think that's probably right. He's got that
2: great scene, uh, like near the end of the princess bride where he's getting up to leave. Uh, and he's like, okay, okay. All right. Okay. And he's like, you know, fumbling around, making sure he has his glasses and his, and his, I don't know, keys or whatever. And he's like, all right. Okay. It's just like, and that bit goes on
0: forever, but it's so funny. Oh, but that's that's how he was. I mean, that was his character yeah. <laughs> no matter what he was playing. That was him, a little bit of him coming through. Absolutely. Now, the next person plays right along with Peter Falk. Uh, we have Fred Savage. Uh, he,
1: oh, such cute little kid. Oh,
0: and of course, he got his cheeks pinched in this movie, and he hated that. <laughs> <laughs> uh now he actually has had quite a few other roles. Uh one of the very first things I ever saw him in before I saw Princess Bride was a film called The Boy Who Could Fly, uh where he stars as Lewis. Uh he also played as Charlie Seymour in the body switching flick, vice versa, with Judge Reinhold. Uh he played as Brian Stevenson in the Howie Mandel movie Little Monsters. Uh Corey Woods in The Wizard. And probably, I don't know, you guys probably heard of this show. Uh, He played Kevin Arnold on this little show called The Wonder Years. We may have heard of that. (laughs) Just maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's pretty much all the cast I've got here. I'm going to start doing here something now. I kind of want to throw this in. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys a chance here. Take any movie actor. I don't care what actor you've got here in this film. Pick any one of them and I'll link them to Kevin Bacon. I've been doing this for a while. Uh with friends of mine. There's actually a Kevin Bacon board game where you can link any actor to Kevin Bacon <laughs> in six steps or less.
1: Oh, and I'm gonna have to go back. Okay, let's see.
0: Right. Okay, Sarah's
2: looking at the IMDP page. She is finding the trying to find a hard one. What'd you what'd you get, Sarah?
1: You wanna go with that one? Yeah. Okay. Go from Chris Sarandon.
0: Chris Sarandon. Okay, are you sure?
1: I don't know. Is that going to be too easy for you?
0: Well, okay. Let me let me tell you. Let me tell you the the key here for this one. Chris Sarandon was obviously in The Princess Bride with Robin Wright. Robin Wright was with Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump, and Tom Hanks was with was with Kevin Bacon in Apollo thirteen.
1: Oh, so any of these <laughs> actors you could get like
0: yes. Ah. I know. What, what would you do? If, what would you do if you couldn't use Robin Wright, though? Oh, I could use uh, Carrie Elways. I could go Carrie Elways. Uh, I could. I could do uh, Chris Rand to Carrie Elways in Princess Bride. <laughs> I would go Carrie Elways <laughs> to Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. Um, uh, and then, um, oh gosh, there was a Tom Cruise movie where he was with Kevin Bacon. Uh, oh, uh, A Few Good Men. He was with Tom, Kevin Bacon and Oh a few my good god, I
1: forgot the two of them were in that together. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you
0: had you had him, you had Kevin Pollock, you had Demi Moore, uh Kevin Bacon, uh Jack Nicholson, Noah Wiley was in that film. See
1: uh what oh god, what's his name? The uh the guy that's just under Jack Nicholson. Um
0: uh, I wanna say oh uh Kiefer Sutherland?
1: Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland.
0: He's in there. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is in that film as well. So I mean, you've got a lot that you can work with there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We did. Uh, we did a few Good Men on our podcast a while back, I think.
1: Oh I, yeah, we did it.
2: Hang on, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the clips and seeing if I can figure out which one it was. I'll let you know in a second. Okay. <laughs>
1: That's that's such a good movie.
0: Oh, it was episode seventeen. Oh wow! So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and like start listening in because I I've been listening for probably like the last six episodes I think it was for years. So I'm gonna have to go back and try and see if I can find the very first ones here and listen from there.
1: It's on our archives page. If you go to TrivialTriviaPodcast.com dot com and then click on archives, all of our episodes, everything we've okay. ever released. Okay.
0: Is awesome. I know I've gotten from what from what uh iTunes has, and I know that's not a whole lot half the time. So
2: Well, I we always recommend to listeners to go to the archives page and just listen to episodes that have
0: movies that you really liked and, and see how you do. Oh uh, see, I'm a movie buff, so for me to for me it's going through <laughs> probably everything that you guys have there.
1: <laughs> there you go. Let us know what your score is.
0: There you go, absolutely. <laughs> Alright, so Jeff, sir, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and take the plot here. We'll try and do a little bit of a 60-second synopsis. Uh, so take it away, Jeff.
2: So The Princess Bride is about uh, a grandfather, Peter Falk, reading a book to his grandson, Fred Savage, who's uh, at home and sick. And then the, the movie is kind of a, a story within a story where the grandfather is reading this story to his grandson, and then we see the... A story acted out and the story is called the princess bride so wesley and buttercup uh both uh, live on a farm and they fall in love and wesley leaves to seek his fortune and isn't heard from him in a very long time and so uh prince humperdinck is kind of the in charge of the land and prince humperdinck chooses buttercup as his bride now that wesley is gone kind of against her will um and wesley um Rather, Princess Buttercup is uh, kidnapped by a trio of men who are actually being paid by uh, Prince Humperdinck to do this so that he can start a war with the neighboring country. Uh, And then a mysterious man in a black mask comes up to to save her, fights all three men in battles of uh, swordplay and strength and wit, and uh and defeats them all, and it turns out it was it was Wesley coming to save his true love and uh the movie kind of goes on from there, but that's uh but that's i think a pretty
0: good start okay well i i to pick up from that there I know that uh when he goes through and does the whole battles with uh he he fights uh inigo he fights Fezzik. he fights uh he fights Viz- uh Vizine. Vizine, thank eh? you i am wow. I love this movie and I'm drawing a complete blank on the names. This is horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. When he does actually reveal to her, I know that they're going through the, uh, the forest and they're in, they're in the fire she swamps pushes him down the hill. Oh, and he's, he's sitting there and he's rolling down as you wish.
1: And then she throws herself down the hill. <laughs>
0: Ugh. I kept seeing that and I kept thinking, How do they get up and walk away from that? Because that hill was pretty steep. Most people I know, they fall down hills like that. They break stuff.
1: And pretty, like, jagged and uneven.
2: Yeah.
0: That's right.
1: Like, if it were me and I threw Jeff down the hill but didn't know it was Jeff, I'd probably, like, sit down and scoot down the hill. But not throw myself down the hill
2: yeah so uh when they were filming that they they actually couldn't find a a stunt woman who was willing to throw herself down the hill the the you know and make it and make it look good so the person who's playing the princess in that stunt is actually a man <laughs> that doesn't oh, surprise me you can tell me. it at some point yeah with you, the wig
1: on, yeah you it's can totally tell awful but <laughs> uh,
0: but you figure it's shot over a distance not that many people are gonna notice oh, yeah <laughs> Uh, now, I do know that when they do show up in the fire swamps, uh, they do have – Wesley kind of describes as to how he is – how he became the man in black that's chasing her. And he basically comes out and says, well, I, I was the Dread Pirate Roberts. And he starts explaining that you know he was – he actually had somebody who kidnapped him. Dread Pirate Roberts actually kidnapped him and said, well, I'm going to pass this torch on to you. And he's explaining all that. And that actually does come back to play later on in the movie. Uh, but I'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, he does fight off in the fire swamps. They find the quicksand. They find the fire spouts. Uh, they do come across the rodents of unusual size, the Rouses. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't think they exist at all. And surprise, surprise, one bites him. Uh, now, one thing I did find out, a bit of trivia I found out, was that the they actually had people dressed up in those uh, rodent suits. And one of the guys who was supposed to do the scene With them, uh, he actually got pulled over and arrested for speeding. Now, I have to be honest, from what I know in California, unless you're doing something really bad, like, you know, you're flying down the freeway at 100 miles an hour, you get pulled over for speeding, they generally don't arrest you. So I'm kind of wondering. Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. I, I saw the same thing and I just couldn't believe that he was arrested. For
0: Speeding, yeah, I'm thinking that he might have had something else going on. Maybe he had some other bench warrant or something for his, for him uh, <laughs> and that's possible, but they ended up having to go and bail him out in order for them to film that scene, so he was sitting around. they had to postpone it a little bit and go to the go down and say, "Hey, come on, come with us, get in the suit. Let's go <laughs> uh now, going through all of this, they do finally they finally capture Wesley. Uh, You know, Prince Humperdinck says, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of Wesley. We'll send him off on a ship. And Buttercup says, please, you know, keep him alive. Send him away. Don't hurt him. I'll marry you. So she goes through and she says all this. And Humperdinck, in the meantime, is he's being a complete jerk. He says, yeah, you know what? Okay. He says he he captures Wesley, sends him into this pit of despair uh, where he and his vizier are going through and they're going to... uh they're going to suck his life away with this machine. And that machine, that whole thing with the machine was just kind of completely goofy. The suction pup. I, I don't know. I didn't like it all that much. That particular scene. Uh, but he goes, it's the, the count says he's been working on it for
2: half a lifetime and he figured out how to extract years of life from a person.
0: Yeah. I, and you know, I didn't get that because if he's been doing this for like half of his life, how old is the Count? And when did he start doing this?
2: <laughs> that's the thing. Um, so so they say that the way that the plot works is that Inigo Montaio, Montoya was a little boy when the Count killed his father. So the Count must have been an adult at that point. But Mandy Patinkin and Christopher Guest are only like
0: four years apart in age. Yes. <laughs> and that's one of those things that kind of just throws me when you look at it, it's like, Mm, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> How's that work? Uh now that whole thing goes through they they while that's happening uh they're getting ready to go through and marry off the princess. Well, what's happening in the background is that Humperdinck is trying to go through and he's trying to plot a war with the country across the sea Gilder. And so he's got his five his country's 500th anniversary that he's got to plan. He's got his wife to mur- to murder and Gilder to frame for it. And he goes on and says this, and I'm, I apologize, I'm butchering the quote, but I'll get to the quote later on. <laughs> uh, but he goes through and he plots all this. Uh, the, you know, he ends up going through and sucking the life out of uh, Cary always character, Wesley. And he basically thinks that Cary always is dead. Inigo Montoya and Fezzik, they, they go searching for him. They find him and they're going to try and drag him back to the castle to go through and stop Humberting, and they find out that you know they think, oh my gosh, he's dead. This is where they go and they meet up with Miracle Max. Miracle Max gives them a pill, says, "Here, take this. Go forth and storm the castle." Uh, they
1: coated in chocolate so it'll go down easy. Yes,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they have to wait an hour. No swimming. I remember yeah. that, uh, but yeah, he's. They find out that he's mostly he's only mostly dead. Uh, They go through, they bring him there and, of course, while they're there, Inigo discovers uh, that Count Rugen is the six-fingered man that killed his father and they have, like, this huge sword battle and he ends up killing Count Rugen and they go through and they rescue Princess Buttercup and one of my favorite scenes in this movie here is at the very end when you see Wesley and he's sitting there in the chair and he's going through and he's telling Prince Humperting what he 's going to do to him, and he 's going to you know he 's going to cut out his eyes and cut out his tongue and and Prince Humperting goes, yes, 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 and you 're going to cut off my ears next i 've heard it all and he goes no, and i 'm going to leave you your ears and i 'll tell you why, so that when people see you, they can they, you know you 'll hear these screams of horror through your perfect pristine, untouched ears you know, it 's this whole thing, and he ends up standing up and he 's getting ready to do the sword battle. And Prince Humperdinck realizes that he's screwed at this point. And so he sits down really nicely, and then Wesley, like, collapses on the bed.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> as, yeah, as soon
2: as he's tied up, Wesley is like, ah, oh, I can sit down now. Yes. And Humperdinck is like, ha, I
0: knew it, I knew it. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm tied in this chair. <laughs> now, goes through all of this. Uh, They ride away with, uh, you know. Wesley ends up riding riding away with Buttercup, Inigo, and Fezzik on four white horses that Fezzik conveniently discovers. Uh, He does end up capturing them. You know, he catches them as they jump off the ledge, and Inigo Inigo at this point says to him, "You know, I've been doing revenge for twenty years now, and you know, for over twenty years now, and well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life." And Wesley turns to him (laughs) and says. Well, you know, I hear that the Dread Pirate has an opening. Dread Pirate Robert has an opening, so why don't you do that? <laughs> so it's kind of, kind of a nice thing that he gets to go on with his life and, and be this great swordsman uh, f- from there on. And when the movie ends, they do have this passionate kiss, uh, and I forget it, what the exact lines were, something about how there's like five kisses in the history of the world, and this one blew them all away.
2: <laughs> that's mm-hmm. right and hey, yeah and this and at this point peter falk just like totally cuts the story short and he's like ah oh, well you don't you don't need to hear about this part but fred savage is like like why grandpa he's like well it's the kissing it's got a little kissing it's like we can we can do a little kissing <laughs> grandpa. it's okay and then they have this glorious kiss. and we, we finally get the ending we deserve. <laughs> yes. And then,
0: and then, of course, as they walk away, you know, as Peter Falk leaves, he bows to his grandson. And, you know, the grandson asks him if he can come over and read the story the next day. And he bows to his grandson and says, as you wish. And it ends the movie with this great, I think, on on a great up note. You know, just, I, I again, I really, really love this film for what it was. You know, it had a little bit of everything in it. Fantastic story
2: about true love. It's
0: beautiful. Yes. Now, I, I kind of want to go into a little bit of the quotes here for this film because there just were so many in this film. Uh, Absolutely. You know, my one of my favorites, I have a T-shirt that has this on it. Uh, it's got one of these little Hello, My Name Is name badge stickers on it. <laughs> yeah. And it says, Hello, My Name Is, and then underneath it, it's written in, Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die.
2: And so that's,
0: that's one. Mandy Patinkin said that he gets that every time he sees people. And he said, he goes, you know what? If I hear that every day from the day I die, I will never get tired of hearing that. It's such a good line. He goes, people love it. People come up to me all the time and quote that at me. And he goes, and I love it. It's great.
1: Well, and it really, I mean, at least as far as I know, and so maybe I'm wrong, but that really kind of set his career.
0: Yeah, it really did. Motion. It really did. I mean
1: that really everyone knows an ego toya.
0: Yes. And they all know of of course uh what did you say that your dad's favorite line was that you always hear all the time?
1: Inconceivable.
0: You keep using that word. I do not think it means what it means. What you think it means.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, it's there's just so many good ones. Um uh, one of my favorites here. Uh, when Inigo Montoya and the Man in Black first meet, and I I want to say it's the very first one of the first lines, uh, that Carrie always has in the film, uh, and he says, "I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance have happen to have six fingers on your right hand," and the Man in Black looks at him and says, "Do you always begin conversations this way?" <laughs> uh Oh, and, and of course I have to mention. The impressive clergyman. Uh, <laughs> yes, you guys know where I'm going with just this. Just
1: started saying it before the priest ever turned around last night.
2: Uh, it was like you know, you just you just see the guy in the uh, in the giant mitre hat, like the big pope hat, and you're like, yes, this is gonna be awesome.
0: I was so trying to get my wife to agree when we got married. I wanted her you know my brother-in-law married us off and i wanted him just to say because he he has a great sense of humor i was, I was trying to get him to say marriage marriage is what wings us together today <laughs> and she's like no we are not doing that and i'm like hun i would find it funny and she's just she goes no 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 <laughs> well and the and the great part about it that is the
2: the writing the lines have just so many r's written in and every one of them he says a w and he's like and and the l's too so he's like and wav two wav (laughs) will follow you
0: forever (laughs) yeah it's just it's it's a great great line and between that and then the the one of the lines that vizzini is probably best known for uh, when...
1: Oh, this one! I bet I this is the one that I also heard all the time. Go for it, Sarah. Uh, well, he says, "You fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most are the most famous of which is never getting involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well known is never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line." Yes! And then he starts laughing hysterically, and he like randomly in the middle of this laugh falls over dead. I love
0: that. Cause you just see him. he's like sitting up and all of a sudden he just stops laughing. And then like, you can see him just like completely purposely tip himself over to fall over. Just classic. <laughs> well,
1: and my dad will still like, if there's something going on and you, you know, like you can go to my dad and ask him for advice. And every now and then he'll just randomly come out with the never go into a land war and over, never go, uh, never get involved in a land war in Asia <laughs> or, this never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line <laughs> and that's his advice. And like, that's all you get.
0: Oh, uh, now of course there, there, one of the other scenes that I know that my friends and I used to always quote back and forth to each other was the rhyming scene. And I'm sure you guys know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Inigo asks, Fezzik, are there rocks ahead? If there are, well, i will be dead. No more rhymes. Now I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> you know, just again classic quotes and it's one of these things that i love about this film there's just so much and i guess this is why it is the cult film that it is
2: i'm loving the the most memorable scene in my in my head is the um uh, the first sword fighting scene in between inigo and uh and carrie Alwes's character and they just like They're, like, so polite to each other the whole time, and they they praise each other, and yet they're still fighting to the death, and it's, like, fantastic. So, you know, he's, like, you know, Inigo's, like, you are wonderful, and he's, like, well, thank you, I've worked really hard, and Inigo's, like, you're better than, why are you smiling? Because I know something you do not know. What's that? I am left-handed. Yes. I'm not left-handed. Yeah, they've been fighting left-handed this whole time,
0: and then... And Each then was like, the
1: man in black's like, "Oh wait, I know something you don't know. I'm not left-handed either."
0: Oh, <laughs> well, and then they have the spot. They have the spot in there where they go and they jump on that bar where they're doing the somersaults and whatnot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and he it's takes
0: like it. And he throws his sword into the ground, and then he flips and he lands there, and he, he like reaches down and picks it up perfectly. It's just it was so incongruous with the entire fight scene. With I, I was thinking. Wow, he's not even winded, and he's doing all this. Okay. <laughs> who are you? Yes. That's my that's, – that's who
2: are you? Uh, that, that whole fight scene, um, I saw an interview with Mandy Patinkin. He said um, – he asked his uh, fight choreographer, what's the longest fight scene in film? And the choreographer said, I don't know, like 11 minutes or something. He's like, okay, well, let's beat it. <laughs> and they did. It was uh, – they uh, – Mandy Patinkin and Carrie Ellis trained for like on every day that they weren't shooting, they were training for the sword fight and they got so good at it. They showed Rob Reiner and they like, they had this fight scene down. It was perfect. Like the swordsmanship was perfect. And they had it down so well that they were going so fast and it only lasted like three minutes. And Rob Reiner's like, that's it. I thought you guys were going for more time. (laughs) It's fantastic. No, they actually the that entire fight scene was all them. There were no uh, stunt doubles. The only thing that had a stunt double was when uh, was when Wesley does the flip off the bar. Yes, everything else is entirely them.
0: Now I do know that that fencing training did come in handy for L's, uh for in, in particular because he ended up using that. Uh, in other roles that he did, uh, he used the, the fencing skills in Robin Hood Men and Tights, and then he also used it in Glory when he was using the sword uh, to battle forth. I want to say as uh, one of the commanders uh, for this. I, I want to say for the Southern side for the Confederates, yeah. I believe.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I sort of remember that. That's another...
1: I need to watch that again. I Can't... haven't seen that since I was in school.
2: Oh, poor Kary Owens. He plays all these American characters and, and doesn't doesn't quite get the accent right most of the time. Oh, well. Well,
0: but he makes fun of himself in, in Robin Hood Men in Tights because he says that he is the only Robin Hood who can do it with a proper <laughs> British accent. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> I loved that dig. Oh,
0: of course. Uh, now... I do know that with a little bit of some other trivia that I have here, uh, Andre the Giant, uh, he had actually undergone major back surgery prior to filming this movie. And despite the fact that he had this really huge size and strength, he couldn't actually support the weight of Cary Elwes or Robin Wright for a scene at the end of the film. Uh, For the wrestling scene, when he and Elwes were pretending to to hang on to his back, he was actually walking on a series of ramps below the camera during close-ups. Uh, and then for the wide shots, a stunt double actually took the place of Andre. Now, I'm kind of thinking about that, and I'm thinking, who the heck did they get to play? You know, the seven foot four giant as a stunt double? Was the guy <laughs> walking around on stilts or something? That's all I can think. You know, of. It Must
2: have been. Must have been. They probably got the tallest guy that they could find and put him, put a big black wig on him, and I don't know, padded him yeah. around the middle. Uh, Now, Uh, Andre the Giant had uh, had some kind of um, like hormonal imbalance that that made him grow so big. And it really like he was he was basically like too big for his own body. And that's that's why his back hurt so much. And and he had some major problems because of that.
0: Well, I know that one of the things that he used to do for Robin Wright, because when they were filming, the scene where she's supposed to be swimming around in the water and she's drenched wet. They were pulling Mm -hmm. her out and she was standing around on set and she's freezing. He actually came over and he put his hand (laughs) on her head and he's got his hand on top of her head. And she goes, Oh my gosh, that, that heat from his hand kept her warm during the shooting when they weren't actually in front of the camera. She goes, it was the most wonderful thing. And she said, he was the sweetest man for doing that.
1: Well, he's got those giant hands. It's got a, you know, like his palm probably covered her entire the, the entire top of her head. Yes.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I, the uh, I I remember seeing things. They they talked about Andre being just like such the sweetest guy, on camera and off camera. He he brought in like like one day he it was his day off and he, he made a trip over to France that they were filming in Scotland and he made a trip over to France. And brought back, like, pate and foie gras and wine for the uh, for the catering table. Oh.
0: And they were like, so everyone was having a good time. <laughs> well, now I do have to bring up one other thing with regards to Andre. And I'm going to talk about another big actor. Uh, and, and, Jeff, I'm going to bring this up only because when I was last listening to your podcast, you made a mention of Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Okay, now, I'm going to point this out. Fans who are listening to mine, who are listening to Trivial Trivia, Jeff pointed out on his show that there were only two movies that Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger were in together, as being Predator and then Batman and Robin. However, in 1987, there was another film that they did together called The Running Man. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays plays as Ben Richmond, and he's actually supposed to be a bad guy who gets trapped into this horrible kind of American American Gladiators-esque kind of game show, and he's being chased. Precursor to the Hunger Games. Basically, yes, yes. Uh, They're they're kind of being trapped, you know, chased down, and he ends up killing all these guys who are coming after him. Jesse Ventura plays as Captain Freedom, uh, very much kind of a wrestler-type guy. He's actually got long hair, uh, in the film, but it's, it kind of took place, they were filming that right around the same time they were filming Predator as well. So they do have that one, and I have to bring that up here. Now, with regards, tying this back into The Princess Bride, uh, author William Goldman, he was when he was first trying to get the movie made in the 1970s, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually wanted to play Fezzik, and he was strongly being considered because Goldman could never get his first choice, Andre the Giant, to read for the role. Well, yeah, that's right. now by the time they went to go make the movie, uh, about twelve years later, Andre was such a big star that they couldn't afford him. Or I'm sorry, Arnold was such a big star that they couldn't afford him. So Andre was cast after all, and the two big men had since then gone on to be big friends.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that. I I read that too. That was kind of amazing. And they and they tried to get Arnold, but they would like they would never have been able to afford him once when they were actually
0: making the film. And you know what? I I kind of wonder. If he had actually played the role of uh, of Fezzik, whether it would have been as good as it was,
1: it wouldn't have been I, what it is now.
2: I don't think it would have been. It's just the, the Andre you can tell just has such a like a kind, a kind soul, and and that's exactly who you want in in the role of the. Of the giant who could
0: crush anyone with the flick of his wrist. Yeah. He's
1: very much the gentle giant. Yes.
2: Well, and
0: you know what was funny was I remember him back on WWF. I used to watch it when I was a kid religiously on yeah. Saturday mornings, <laughs> you know. So I used to see him going around. It, and I remember for a while that he was the bad guy, that guys would go and wrestle him. And he was not a small man. I mean, he was not like a light guy either. I want to say he was he was weighing in close to 500 pounds. And I remember seeing these guys pick him up and body slam him, and all I could think was, "How you know these these wrestlers have got to be strong to be able to do that?" For one. Oh, they yeah, and <laughs> you know, for two, that had to have taken
2: its toll on him. Well, it's prob- probably what led to uh, a lot of his back troubles. You know that that plus his his um, his uh, uh, hormonal imbalance, like just you know, added
0: up over the years. I'm sure. Yes. A couple of last things that I do have here, uh, for those who don't know this, the Dread Pirate Roberts. There actually really was an actual Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, His name was Bartholomew Roberts, also known as Black Bart. Uh, He did operate in the Caribbean in the early 18th century, and he's reckoned by many to have been the most successful pirate of all time. So when you think about how they kept spawning off all these new Dread Pirate Roberts – that that was probably was really based upon uh Black Bart's Reign I guess. Yeah. All right, so I that's pretty much all that I have. If you guys have anything else that you want to add here?
1: I have one more and only because it's funny it's about Andre the Giant too, but while they were rehearsing for the film, it was really actually even when we watched it last night there were a couple of times that I looked at Jeff and I said, "What did he say? <laughs> I couldn't understand it." But he was really hard to understand. So to fix that, Mandy Patinkin actually like slapped him across the face to get him to concentrate harder on his lines.
0: Oh man, see if I was Andre and he would slap me, I probably would have said, You do that to me one more time, little man. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Um <laughs> uh,
2: my my favorite little bit of trivia is that uh Carrie Elis actually broke um probably broke a foot or a toe on set he was uh, so they were in the in the hills of Scotland and he was riding around on uh like a little recreational vehicle i don't know if it was like an all terrain vehicle or a or a i don't know something else, some something similar to that and he actually rolled it and he didn't want anyone to know but he probably probably broke something and that's you can actually see in a couple of scenes that he's being like really ginger on walking really gingerly on on one foot and like treating one foot like without with resting any weight on it uh to just to you know just to and and he didn't want to tell anyone about it because they would have like sent him to the hospital and he just wanted to
0: get to work right (laughs) all right well i think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of talking about my generation uh unless you guys have anything else you want to add here nope we're good okay uh, well, I do want to say thank you for listening to us. Uh, you can leave us a feedback on iTunes. We would ask, please, please, please go and leave us feedbacks. Uh, we will read it on the air, if you will. Uh, you can also send me a tweet. Uh, you can reach me at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. Uh, you can leave me an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, now, Jeff and Sarah, how can people find out about your podcast? Probably the easiest way to do it is go on to the iTunes uh,
2: podcast store and just search for Trivial Trivia, and we're online at TrivialTriviaPodcast.com.
0: Okay. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and sign off this episode with the Dire Straits song, Storybook Love, from the Princess Bride soundtrack.
3: <laughs> Come, my love, I'll tell you her tale boy and girl and their love story and how he loved her oh so much and all the charms she did possess now this did happen once upon a time when things were not so complex and how he worshipped the ground she walked and when he looked in her eyes he became obsessed my love is like a storybook story but it's as real as the feelings I feel my love is like a story book story but it's as real as the feelings I feel It's as real as the feelings I feel This love was stronger than the power so dark A prince could have within his keeping His spells to weep And steal a heart Within her breast But only sleeping My love is like A storybook story But it's as real As the feelings I feel My love is like A storybook story But it's as real as real as the feelings I feel He said Don't you know I love you oh so much and lay my heart at the foot of your dress She said Don't you know that storybook blood Always have a happy ending Then he swooped her up Just like in the books And on his stallion They rode away My love is like A storybook story But it's as real As the feelings I feel